Merry Christmas. Now, you may be thinking, well, wait a minute, didn't we go through this on Tuesday? Didn't we? But you know, we get to celebrate Christmas all the way up until next week. So, this is all, every day is Christmas. And it keeps going. So, uh, but you got to admit, it's been a wait. I mean, we spent four weeks in Advent just preparing for this and, and being ready for it. And many of us started preparing for Christmas the day after Halloween. Right, Claire? So... In any, or before Halloween, in any event, it was a long wait. So that makes this a sort of a new beginning of some sorts. And I think that's why it's really appropriate that we have the Gospel of John today. Because the Gospel of John is this rich, dense, theologically robust reading that we could spend, we could spend the next two or three months just going through today's reading. It opens with this wonderful, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes, strangely, in the second, cha- second paragraph to talking about John the Baptist. And then the third paragraph, it goes back up, and we're sort of elevated again. And then the fourth, we're kind of struggling with John the Baptist, and maybe a little bit with the Word, with the Law, and, and what was passed down from the Torah. And I find that kind of duplicates my own experience with, with John, because I keep wanting to tie it down, and yet it keeps evading me. So let, let me break this down. So, so as I mentioned, we open, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Christ, Jesus, is the Word. He's the Logos. And He has been existing from the beginning of time. He's next to God and is also God. Now the Gospels of Matthew and Luke start in a much more logical place at the beginning of their, their recount of the good news of the Gospel. They either start with the genealogy or the birth narrative. And that makes a lot of sense. The Gospel of Mark starts with the adult Jesus beginning of his ministry, with his baptism. So both those make a lot of sense in, this, in the notion that, you know, that, that's, if you're going to tell a story, you're going to start at those points. John's different. John's like out there saying, in the beginning was God, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and it's just, again, he's sort of, it's throwing it up there. What he's doing is he's painting on a much larger palette. He's telling us that Jesus is, is eternal. Jesus is uncreated. He's outside of time. He's imperishable. But he's also within time. John is, in a way, as we often read in the Psalms, singing a new song. He's telling this story in a very unique and different way and encouraging us and asking us to go with him on that journey. And he continues, All things came into being through him, and without, and without him no one thing came into being. So wait a minute. Does this mean that Christ is there in Genesis? When God created heaven and earth and the plants and animals of the land and the sea? Is Jesus there with him? Jesus is the mediator, the broker of all creation, I think. Through him, we are told, all things are made. So yes, it would suggest that he's there. But, but there's no mention of Jesus in Genesis. I mean, we only have God and Adam and Eve and the serpent. Where's Jesus? But, but maybe it does help explain what we hear in God say in, in Genesis 3, where he says, See, the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil. Could the us be a reference to the eternal, uncreated Jesus alongside God in, in creation? Maybe, but, 
I think that's where I'm trying to pull it down again. I'm trying to pull it back to, to make a logic and a sense that I don't think John wants us to do. I think I'm trying too hard to look at the logic. John's asking us to think bigger, to think outside of this, to think cosmically. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Now, not only is Jesus the source of creation, but the very essence, the very source of life. And that life is light. Now consider that for a moment. Light. Life is light. The source of all life is light. Now, the writer of John's Gospel wouldn't have known about photosynthesis or vitamin D, but was he speaking to some scientific truth that would emerge centuries later? Again, I don't think so. I think I'm trying too hard. I don't think so. I think, I don't, I think John wants us to make sense in a different way of this gospel. Not in the way we might look at other texts we read. He wants us to wrap ourselves in the mystery of the whole thing. The mystery of what we're celebrating today. The improbable, unexpected mystery that we come together this morning to celebrate. That the eternal, uncreated God came to this relatively small planet, the third from the sun, in a relatively average solar system, among one of many, many, many galaxies, that the God of all this creation came to us here as a mortal human baby, sleeping in a manger. Not even the son of royalty, but of humble Mary and of humble Joseph. It's true, it all sounds too improbable. I think that's why we need the soaring poetry of John this morning to lift us out of the illusion that we can even begin to understand these mysteries. The mysteries of creation, the mysteries of life, of God becoming mortal, of, become, of God becoming a helpless baby lying in a manger. John's calling us to get out of our heads and to get into our hearts. We've got to stop trying to understand and explain and just to feel and to think and understand what this mystery is speaking to us today, two centuries later. John's asking us to believe, to have faith. And that is a recurring topic in John. That's very important. We have to continue to have faith. To have faith that the light, that life, came into the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. That the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of, of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth, we're told. But on this day we celebrate a new beginning. We sing a new song. When light came into our darkness and lived among us. And because of this improbable event two centuries ago, we gather here to begin something new. Now, it's common in our secular lives, and we'll celebrate in a couple of days, New Year's Day. And we kind of consider this or think of this as a new beginning, a new start. But I wonder if it's not more appropriate for us to consider Christmas Day as the proper new start. I mean, we're celebrating a birth, after all. What better new start is that? But today is the day when we begin our timeless march through Christmas, through Epiphany and the Three Magi, through the presentation of Jesus at the temple and so on, leading into Lent. We're beginning today 
the march toward the harrowing death of Jesus and of his glorious resurrection to the time when he proved for all eternity that the light came into the darkness and the darkness did not, could not overcome it. On this day of new beginnings, let us sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done and is doing marvelous, marvelous things. Amen.